you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. I want to share with you a little bit uh, the uh, this morning uh, as um, Brother um, Gary Hatsu forgot his name. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I told you a little bit about after the, uh, the resurrection. Uh, last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many times in churches, we celebrate that, and then the next Sunday, we, do, we, we, we totally forget it. And so I'd like to just do a little follow-up uh, on that. As, and I, I, I call this after the grave. What happened after the, uh, the grave? Now, some of you know um, I teach for a living. And uh, I teach uh, uh, Bible courses and some others as well. And so on this particular topic... I normally spend about three or four hours, so but but we're not going to do that today. So just just relax a little bit there, and uh, we've we've cut that down just a little bit. I will tell you, however, uh, the battery on my cell phone is dying, so I have no clue as to what what time it is. So I've asked I've asked Pastor Stephen, you know, once he's got enough, just to give me one of these, <laughs> and so within the next thirty minutes after that, we'll finish up. Okay. I want to talk about after the grave, some of the things that um, Jesus did. And more in particular, I want to talk about um, some questions that he posed in his appearances. Now, if you want to look at the context of, of this, uh, you can look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. We won't necessarily go there. Um, but this describes the resurrection of Jesus Christ, some of the things that are, that are happening there. Uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, he was alive on earth about uh, 40 days before he ascended up into heaven. At his ascension, and, and then there were an additional 10 days, and then that's when the... Um, Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost essentially means 50 days after, so it was 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if I get too much in the teaching mode, please forgive me, okay? But uh, I want to look at five questions that Jesus posed when he encountered some of the persons in that 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that applies to you and I. The first one of those, if you want to uh, turn with me, is in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And um, I do appreciate so much the, uh, the guys trying to stay with me there as far as to put it up on the screen for you if you don't have, uh, if you don't have your Bible. <clears throat> John chapter 20 uh, This has to do with Jesus, if you look down to verse 10, this has to do with Jesus appearing to um, Mary Magdalene. She has gone back to uh, the tomb 
this is actually her second time to go back to the tomb, many scholars believe. Um, but she is there, and um, she encounters two angels, and she sees that the tomb is empty. Uh, she is wondering where the body of the Lord Jesus Christ has been taken. And then, if you look at verse 14 in particular of uh, John chapter 20, it says, At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. The first question comes in verse 15. When Jesus looks at her crying, and he poses this question, woman, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And the thing that I want us to take a look at today is what is it that we see before we see Jesus Christ? Many times the evidence is right in front of us. Now, Mary Magdalene had most likely heard that of the teachings of Jesus Christ, that he would die and that he would raise from the dead. That was a fairly common uh, thing known among the followers or the disciples of Jesus Christ. As I said, this is most likely her second visit to the tomb on the morning of the resurrection. She goes and she sees two men, in this particular case, two men in white, which we know as angels. She can see the stone rolled away. Now, this particular stone was probably about four to 600 pounds. Uh, it's usually a disc-shaped stone, and they would roll it into a, to a rut and put a smaller boulder in front of it to hold it up there. And so it, it would have taken a couple of guys to, to roll the stone away. But she sees the stone is gone. She is able, if she did indeed access the tomb, go in and see the clothes that Jesus Christ left behind. She knows, okay, this was the burial clothes, that was there because she was one of the she was one of the women there at the crucifixion when and when they took Jesus Christ down, and so she would have recognized those clothes that were there. She knows that the tomb itself is empty. She has all this evidence in front of her, and yet for some reason she can't see Jesus. She didn't realize that it was Jesus Christ standing in front of her. And he poses this question to her. What are you looking for? I think many times we find ourselves in the situation of Mary to where we get all encapsulated with our circumstances or we have all this anxiety that is upon us or all this difficulty that we're, things we're trying to work through in our mind and we are in the very presence of Jesus Christ and yet we do not realize he is right there for us to reach out and to touch him. What are you looking for? Don't you see me? I am right next to you. I am ready to take care of your needs. 
I am fulfilling my promises that I said to you that I was raised from the, from the grave. I indeed raised from the grave. I am here standing right next to you and you don't even see me. Many times, Jesus is walking right with us. And all we got to do is look and we can see him. And he will indeed take care of our needs. Next, I want to go to the second question that Jesus Christ proposed. And that we can find in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. This is again a very familiar passage uh, of Scripture. You probably know it best as the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. If you read, you find that one of them is indeed named Cleopas. Um, and uh, the other disciple is, is not uh, named. So we find that in Luke uh, chapter 24, if we begin in verse 13. It says, now that same day, talking about the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Now Emmaus was about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. Um, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened, talking about the um, crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his burial um, discussing somewhat as far as his, his resurrection. Uh, they, and it says, verse uh, 15, they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, this is different than with Mary. Mary was so caught up, she didn't realize that it was Jesus. For whatever reason here, and I think the context um, a little further on tells us why at this point they were kept from recognizing Jesus Christ as a who, who he was. But they were discussing these particular um, uh, things that had, that had transpired. Uh, Jesus in verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? And we come to the second question that Jesus poses. He says, what things? What things? Now, if you look at the context, you will understand that this question is about the Scripture and what is said about Jesus Christ. Actually, if you look further down in verse 26, he says, Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? And then after that, uh, come into his glory. So just as Mary did not see Jesus Christ, and sometimes we don't see him even though he is in our very presence, 
the condition of these two disciples is they weren't hearing him. The scripture says that after they said this to him, he began with Moses in the Old Testament, working, oh, how, how I would have liked to have been there to heard this particular teaching. Jesus Christ himself starting, Pastor Harry, starting with Moses and going all the way through the scripture telling about the thread of Jesus Christ or the thread of blood that one sees in the Old Testament coming all the way up to the point to where the death and the resurrection of what a teaching this would have been to hear that he was conveying to these two disciples. So I pose the question for you and I, what is it that we hear about Jesus Christ? What is it about the promises that we don't understand? You know, one of those comes from Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, to where the promise is, call to me and I will answer you. That is a promise of God that we have from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Others, God loves you. God will bless you. God will heal you as Gary was talking about. God will be your comforter. There are many things when we go to the word of God and we look at all the promises that God has for us and we hear the word preached Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and taught Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday and yet for whatever reason we are not hearing what is coming to us? We have a tendency to forget very, very quickly. That was the condition of these two disciples, of Cleopas and the other disciple. They had heard, and yet the scripture says that they were downcast. They were discouraged. They had heard of Jesus opening the blind eyes of him healing deaf ears, of him healing limbs. And as I'm going through these various miracles, some of you here are going, oh, yeah, Jesus did that for me. Yeah, Jesus healed me of cancer. Yeah, Jesus healed my foot. Yes, Jesus healed my heart. Yeah, Jesus took that spot away that was inside of me. Yes, Jesus put that back together for me. And we start to come to remembrance of what we have heard and the things that we have seen and yet sometimes find ourselves discouraged and not believing the Lord, not hearing what he says to us in the word of God. Next, I want to go to Luke or just a little further down in Luke chapter 24. A third question and a third appearance of Jesus Christ is to the disciples in the upper room. This in verse 36. Now, after, um, just to bring you up to speed just a little bit, after Jesus Christ went to the home, they wanted him to stay there. He did indeed stay at least for the first uh, part of the meal, and it says when he 
when he broke the bread, they recognized who he was and he disappeared. That is when these two disciples says, oh, did our hearts not burn within us when we heard him teaching us from Moses all the way through the Old Testament about himself and we didn't even realize that he was in our midst. We didn't really hear, we didn't grasp all of what he had for us. If you read a little further down, it says on that day that they left from there, went back to Jerusalem, found the 11 disciples and began to relay to them what it was that they had heard, that they had indeed seen Jesus Christ. What is interesting in here, if you go to Mark, I believe it is chapter 16, it, it, there, it has a sense of um, humor to it because in regard to the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ, because Mary, well, actually both Marys, go to the tomb. Jesus is gone. They go and tell the disciples. Peter and John don't believe because they, they in turn run back to the tomb to see. They go back and report it. Not all the, the disciples believe them. Uh, Mary herself goes and um, reports to others who don't believe. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they go to the disciples. They don't believe. What is it? All, you have all these evidences and, and the, none of these people are believing. And yet Jesus Christ said, I'm going to rise from the dead. Lord, help us if we are there. To the disciples in the upper room, verse 36 of Luke, uh, chapter uh, 24. Am I doing okay on time, Steve? Okay, hallelujah. All right, another, another six points and we're there. While they were still talking about this, the they there is the two disciples um, on the road to Emmaus where they had come and were talking with the other disciples. While they, were, while they were still talking about these, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Then this brings us to the third question that Jesus Christ proposes after he is raised from the dead. He said, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind. So we need to see Jesus. We need to hear Jesus. And in this case, why do you have doubts in your mind? We need to believe Jesus Christ and what he has told us. God repeatedly puts, and I, I mentioned some of it before, God repeatedly puts physical evidence in front of us and still we have a tendency not to believe. I pose the question, what else does God have to do to show us? What does he have to do in order for us to believe, in order for us to take him at his word? Please, don't understand, I'm, I'm not... I'm not putting condemnation on anybody. But I myself, I can look back at my own life and I see the times where God has healed me. I didn't have the money. 
I didn't have the money to go to the doctor. And I'm by myself. And I said, God, I'm hurting, God. I need you to touch me. And he touched me. And he's touched members of my family like that and healed them. And I know everybody here doesn't have any financial difficulties, but I myself have had (laughs) in times past. I said, God, I don't have the money. It wasn't because I squandered it. I just didn't have the money. You know, I was like the the widow woman with the cruise of oil. Hey, we got a little oil and a little cornmeal, and that's all we got. We're going to eat that, and we're going to die. And I'm at the place, God, if you don't provide the money, sorry, can't pay it. And then there comes a knock on the door. Or you go to the mailbox. Or you get the phone call. Because of your faithfulness to the Lord, he goes here. Here. God told me to bring this to you. And now you've got it. Or the times you find yourself in difficult situations, you don't know how you're going to get out. You don't know how. And yet God just seems to, you know, God, I need that job. And you get a call from somebody that you haven't even contacted. And they find out that you, oh, I got to tell you a story. So when we, we, um, years ago, well, it's probably about 30 now. um, I realize I look like I'm like 29, but anyway. About 30 years ago, we were planning a church in Atlanta, and we were working, 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 working. And uh, I'm just, God, I, 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 I need a building. I mean, we had rented a, um, a little duplex thing that was enough to have a Bible study in, but it just, was, just wasn't big enough. And so I said, I got to have a place. God, what, what am I going to do? And you know, so we worked and worked and worked, and then I get this phone call from a guy I never met, never met. Hey, I understand you're starting a church. Yeah. Now, this is in Atlanta. This is in the 80s. I don't know if you realize the amount of growth that was happening in Atlanta in the 80s, but over in Gwinnett County at that time, uh, land was selling for a million dollars an acre. Yes, yes. So it was not cheap in that city, okay? And we were inside the perimeter, if you know anything about um, at Atlanta. And that's, that's where we were trying to, to start. Well, I get this phone call from this guy. He said, I hear that you're starting a church. Yes, yes, we are. So I know where a church is, is for you. Really? Okay. Now, we had just... We had combed that thing. I had looked at every warehouse, every storefront, every, you know, I mean, is there a field where we can put a tent up? What, you know, something. And so I go over there. Sure enough, this church 
that had been it, it had been closed down has two beautiful oak trees in front of it got a horseshoe drive uh, it's two story built got an educational wing on the thing uh, had a had a real estate sign up there now normally when they put a real estate sign up it is because the owner doesn't want to talk to you that's why there's the representative there well i called the real estate agent and they said would you like to talk to the owner sure I called the owner, met with her, and she said, you know, I was wanting to have a church in here. And um, so we, we were walking through, and, and she said, I tell you what, and she was asking $1,200 a month for that. Now, you got to realize this is, this is 30 years ago, okay? Um, but, I mean, I had been looking at $12.50 a square foot to rent, so this was, okay, that's a little better. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, I want a church in here. How about if we make it 500 a month and you take care of the grounds? Which was like a postage stamp of grass, okay, out in the front <laughs> underneath the two oak trees. And I said, that, that'll work. Now, it, the Lord didn't stop with that. This church was next to a mall. I could have parked 300 buses, literally. No problem with parking. We're walking through the building. She said, well, do you have the piano? No, I don't have a piano. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, let the, I'll tell the boys to bring this up, and uh, you can use this one. Do you have any chairs? No, I don't have any chairs. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I got about uh, 100 chairs right here that, that you can use. I'll just tell the boys. The Lord is like, okay, here's your church. Here's the piano. Here's the seating. I'm doing nothing, absolutely nothing. For this, he's just going here, 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 here. And then I get a call from, from this couple. I, I got, oh, Lord, I got to hurry. Okay, I get a call. This is not in the notes. Okay, from this couple that says, I hear you're starting a church. And uh, now some of you older ones can go back with me a little bit. You may have heard of My, Mylon Lefebvre. Okay, well, his, fam, his parents used to be part of the Lefebvre Trio. Okay, I get a call from, from people who used to travel with the Lefebvre Trio and said, we'd like to come to your church and play. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, wow. God puts physical evidence in front of you and me. All you have to do is believe. And he will do it for you. Let's hurry on. John chapter 21, the fourth one. John chapter 21. This is an appearance of Jesus Christ to some of the disciples starting at verse 1. Let's, let's start reading there. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Gennesaret sometimes. It happened in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, the sons of Zebedee, talking about James and John, and two other disciples, one of which was probably was, uh, Andrew because he was a fisherman as well. Simon Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got to the boat. But that night they caught Nothing. 
Which brings the next question that Jesus posed. Jesus is on the shore. He sees them out there in the boat. And he said, have you caught any fish? This poses the question, have you caught any fish? Now, they answer no. Jesus said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And when they did, the scripture said that they caught a whole lot of fish. One of the things that I think is interesting when you look at Simon Peter, he is a fisherman. And I'm sure some of you in here are, are fishermen. But most of the time when you read about Peter's fishing, he doesn't catch any fish. I mean, I'm not trying to knock the guy, but look at it. You got seven guys, okay, four of which are in the fishing business, and it says they fish all night, and they don't catch any fish. Have you been on that one? Okay. Well, trust me, you don't want to take, you know, I'm not trying to knock Peter because I got to tell you, I, I am not a fisherman. My dad is. Okay, my dad has enough trophies, and I'm not exaggerating, to fill this wall from floor to ceiling there to there. Okay, he's a fisherman. I didn't get that gene. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get that gene. There may be some here that can, that can do that type of thing. I mean, as far as, uh, to, to give you an example, you know, I'm trying to do a little father-son stuff with him, and he, he has a house that's on a lake in Texas, and so one time I'm there, and you want to go fishing, son? Sure, okay, let's go out. We're out in the boat, and, and um, so we're, we're, we're trolling back in. We had caught some fish. He had caught uh, all of them, actually. I was, <laughs> I was in the boat, okay? I was in the boat when we were out, you know. I like the little fish thing, you know, that looks like a little TV that shows that. Just all that. Anyway, but anyway, so we're, we're coming back in. And I throw my rod, uh, the, um, I, I'm casting out, and I, well, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. What is the problem? Well, my hook is caught on a limb. The problem is, is the limb is not in the water. The <laughs> limb is a true story. Limbs on the shore, okay, connected to a live tree, okay? So, so I, I hooked a tree that was on the the wind or something, I don't know. But anyway, he goes and he cuts it, you know, he fixes the bait up again, and, and so we're trolling again, it, and literally two minutes. Hold it, hold it, hold it. What is the problem? I hooked the neighbor's dock. Okay, so, so I'm not, do not, I mean, you can invite me fishing, but it's, you know, it's going to simply be for humor. It's not going to produce you any fish, okay? I'm just, I'm just, yeah, maybe maybe we can try that. I don't know. So I shouldn't knock Peter, perhaps, you know. But in this case, Jesus poses the question, have you caught any fish? They obey Christ by throwing the net on the other side of the boat. What can we do if we simply obey Christ? If you look at the rest of this story, it says that they caught 100 
and 53 large fish. So they had an ample supply simply because they obeyed Jesus Christ. If we obey Christ, we can do the impossible. But we got to obey Christ. And that's where the rub comes in. I don't want to be labeled as a lunatic. I don't want people to think strangely of me. I, I do some counseling. They already think strangely of you, so don't, don't worry about that. But in order for us to do the impossible with Jesus Christ, we must be willing to obey and step out when he tells us to do something. You got to be willing to be singled out. You got to be look, willing to be um, looked at or, or, or thought, okay, what, you know, really what's going on there? I, I'm, I'm not um, trying to promote lunacy. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you look at the scripture, sometimes when you step out by faith, you're doing something different than everybody else. And you must be willing to do what Jesus Christ has told you to do. If you look at, if you put it in the context of this particular thing, on the Sea of Galilee, the majority of the fishermen, and these were experienced fishermen, would fish at night. They would not fish during the day. This is at, this is at the... The break of day, there is another time to where the disciples have fished all night. And Jesus said, let your, let your, boat, uh, let your nets down. And Peter looks at him and says, you know, we've been fishing all night. We ain't caught nothing. He said, let the nets down. Peter said, because of who you are, I will do it. And he let the net down that time, which is, which is different than, than this particular time. And it said that they caught so many fish that both boats started to sink. That's a lot of fish. You know, I suppose to a fisherman, that, that would probably be a good day, is what you're saying. Yes. So if we obey Christ, we can indeed do the impossible. And then the last one, looking at Acts chapter 1, this has to do with the ascension of Jesus Christ. Starting at verse 1, well, I'll tell you what, let me skip down a little bit. Um, let, let's... Uh, Let's drop down to verse 6. It says, So when they met together, they asked him, this is the, the ascension of Jesus Christ when he has taken them out of Jerusalem onto the Mount of Olives, uh, which, which was just, just across the Kidron Valley. They asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has 
set by his own authority. <clears throat> but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. <coughs> Excuse me. And to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And verse 11 is our fifth question. Although it was not from Jesus Christ, it comes from two angels, representatives of his. And they posed this question to the disciples. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Jesus Christ has done his part. Now it's time for you and I to do our part. He had poured into the lives of these men for three years and now was turning over to them his kingdom on earth and the development of the church. We must go forth. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, he says, I will give you power. And he said, he said also in Matthew 28, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. God has confidence in you to go forth and to do something for his kingdom. You know, Jesus has not made his last appearance. He will return. That's the next one. Jesus Christ will return. The angel said there, why are you looking up in the sky? He said, this same Jesus who has gone up will return again. He will come back for you and I.